Well, if I haven't met you, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm part of the teaching team. And, and uh, we are in a uh, great series called At the Movies, kind of looking at movies and, and things that are from that. But before we do that, I would love to s- send out some thank yous. Um, I absolutely love baseball. As Dan said earlier, he likes baseball. And I had the opportunity last week um, and this, this year, I coach baseball at the middle school level. I coach my son Landon and uh, he plays Little League. And so um, if you know anything about Little League or baseball, I'm going to give you a little, a little quick, quick um, tutorial. So Little League has, um, they're all districts all over Tucson, and you play, right? So most districts have four to five, six teams um, in, each, in each Little League. And so in All-Stars, they, at the end of the season, they take all the best players from all the teams and make an All-Star team. That makes sense, right? Well, the Little League that Landon plays in um, only had one majors team. And so, they, uh, so what we did was they took all the, ma- all the teams, one team, all the players, and then move them into All-Stars. So there's a couple players there that maybe probably wouldn't have ever made All-Stars, but got the opportunity to um, play at a after post-tournament in, you know, bigger pitchers, faster, better uniforms, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. And so last week, all that rain that happened, um, one of the games got postponed, and um, my worst nightmare happened. And so, uh, actually, Albert is here. The other coach was here. He managed that team all year long. And um, he sent me a text and said, guess what? Our game got rescheduled to 5.15 on Sunday. First off, I went to, oh, my gosh, Kimberly's teaching. Jack's on vacation. I have to be there to do that. And I just want to thank everyone that was involved last week um, allowed me to leave early and go coach that team. Um, you guys stepped it up in a huge way, and everything went smooth. You guys did an amazing job. And I just want to thank the guys in the booth and the greeters and everybody for doing that that allowed me to go, do, to go coach a little baseball. So you know what's very interesting is uh, that team, uh, I'm going to brag on them a little bit, um, and Albert, um, they, only lo- they only won three to four games out of 18 the whole year. And so that's just, you know, interleaguing with the same kind of equal teams. This team went uh, one and two in All-Stars. They beat an All-Star team with just their regular team. They beat them five to three in extra innings. So they worked together. They came. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of them are here. Um, and so it's, it's really cool to see and be a part of being a part of two things, seeing the team work here and then also seeing the team there working together as a baseball team to, to really kind of accomplish um, what they didn't think. I think what I wanted to say is I don't think anybody told them that they weren't supposed to be there and they played that way. So let's keep that in mind tonight a little bit as we, as we go on. Last week, Kimberly talked um, about taking Jesus out of your pocket or not leaving Jesus in your pocket all week and she pulled out the little stick Jesus. Anybody, anybody, we're here for that? Um, And then she also challenged you. She asked you the question, is your life, is your life a living sacrifice for God? Is your life a living sacrifice for God? And so that question will come up uh, tonight too. And so we are, we're going to continue this at the movie series and, um, like Dan said earlier, let the cat out of the bag. 
I love baseball. I coach baseball. I could, I could play it. I could coach it. I could watch it. I would, I would consume myself with uh, Major League Baseball and all kinds of college baseball. And so that is, there's no surprise that we're going to talk about a baseball movie tonight because that's one of my passions. And so the movie that we're talking about tonight is Moneyball. Anybody seen it? All right, at least we got some people. I asked a couple of people this week just kind of get a gauge of who is, you know, saw Moneyball, and they're like, what? What movie? I was like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. But uh, Moneyball stars Brad Pitt for you ladies in the house. Ooh, you know, if you guys like the Brad Pitts. Um, he actually stars, and he is playing the part of the Oakland A's general manager, Billy Bean. The film follows the Oakland A's in their 2002 series um, season when uh, Bean and his friend Peter Brandt implemented a unique strategy to overcome the disparity of the big check baseball teams. And I, if you like the Yankees and the Red Sox, uh, that's, they have lots of money and they go buy players where the Oakland A's didn't have that kind of money and so they had to find a unique way of competing. To make up the difference, Bean decided he needed to adapt and innovate. In the film, we see that Bean overrode his, his scouts, guys that had been in the game for 20, 30 years, uh, selecting talent, viewing talent, and recruiting talent. He was going to base his major league roster on statistics of players who got on base. That's what his base and the premise was and the math behind it was that no matter who they are, no matter what they look like, no matter where they came from, but if statistically they could improve and get on base, that's how he went and recruited them. Because a simple logic about baseball, because the more people you have on base, the more, the more runs you score. Simple math, right? If you have nobody on base, nobody can score. He used statistical data on to staff his team, which the media and everyone that was in baseball at the time described a, an island of misfits. We're going to watch a clip. Billy Bean is trying to recruit a catcher who's on his way out of professional baseball and his dreams being crushed and not being able to play baseball because of nerve damage in his elbow. You don't have to know much about baseball, but if you can't throw a baseball, you probably can't play catcher. Let's watch this movie. And so the first part of the clip, you saw he was downtrodden, sitting in the chair, trying, trying to figure out what to do. Billy Bean calls and gives him another chance. Not a chance as a catcher, what he knows, but to play first base for the Oakland A's. Now, a position that he's never played before in the major leagues. He's never played it in t-ball, never played it in college, and he, he, he wants to start, Mr. Bean wants him to start at the pro level playing first base. Most first basemen and most athletes have been working in that one position most of their lives. And Billy Bean and Peter Brand knew that baseball was broken. And the unfair system that was already uh, around, they risked their careers to change the system, to give hope, to take this broken, misfit players that were on their way out, their dreams crashed, to give them hope 
to make them misfits to winners. The Oakland A's went on to achieve something that had never been done before in history. They won 20 games in a row. Matt Hattenberg, which is the guy that you just saw, hit a walk-off home run to win the 20th game of the Oakland A's. A catcher that was without an expired contract, someone came in and saw a different purpose, a different way of doing things. And they went on and won 20 games because Bean and Brandt decided to shake it up, to innovate, to change, and adapt. So what does this have to do with Elements City Church? Everything. Church in America is a world of distractions. Church is no longer assumed part of people's lives. More than that, our people are overwhelmed with a 24-7 with obligations and opportunities. Just take a moment. Think through your calendar. Think through your weeks. Think through your summer. Think through your fall. obligations and opportunities. Just as in the movie where Bean and Brand had to approach baseball differently, we as believers in Jesus Christ have to look at the way we do church differently. Let me say that again. We need to look at the way we do church differently. What's the problem, someone might ask, People don't go to church in the numbers they used to? No, that's not the problem. People don't give money to programs like they once did? Nope, that's not the problem either. These are just symptoms. These are just symptoms of a much bigger problem. As long as we think the problem is lower attendance and giving, then the only possible response is to the it's always been done that way, is we just need to do it better. So if we preach the same way as we always did, except now we use screens and PowerPoint and ProPresenter and and illustrators, and worship hasn't really changed that much, but now we've thrown in a drum set, tracks, and guitars. What we are doing is fundamentally the same throughout time. Yet somehow we expect different results. The problem in short is that the world of overwhelming obligations and opportunities. Our people need to be able to connect their faith to their daily lives themselves. Not just come to church to have me or a pastor or someone do it for them. In Ephesians 4 11 through 12, it says this. So Christ himself came, the apostle, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. So the body of Christ may be built up. Let me read that again. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service 
so that the body of Christ may be built up. If you have your Bible with me, the scripture will be up on. We're gonna read Romans. Kimberly spoke in Romans last week and I have the, we're gonna read Romans 12, three through eight. And goodness gracious, I should have brought my glasses. Anybody in the house can be, be with me on that one? For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so Christ, in Christ, we though many from one body and each member belongs to all others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then in, use encouragement or give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Moneyball illustrates that it really matters about building up people. A church who can simply get on base and run around the bases and get to home plate. Maybe you have been a catcher your whole life. And that's all you think you can do. You never have played first, so you don't even want to try. How many times have we said that in some kind of scenario? I've never done it before. I've never done that. And I, you know what? It's too hard. I don't want to. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it ever again. I don't want to try it. When we do not try, you shrink back. You withhold, you handicap the church body and the work of Jesus here in Midtown, in you and through you. When we do not try, look to your left. Hopefully somebody to your left. Look to your right. If you are not trying, if you are not allowing God to be in your life, you are handicapping that person. If we as believers in Jesus Christ saying in the scripture that there is one, we all are a part of the body. For in 12, four through five, it says, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't. So in Christ, we though many from one body and each member belongs to the others. So if you hold back, if you shrink back, if you just are feeling disabled or you can't do it, you are affecting everybody in this room. And you're affecting everybody that is trying to chase Jesus or hasn't seen Jesus yet. 
Think about that for a second. Because of my fear, because of I can't, or whatever goes on, I'm affecting other people. We've listened to the lie that the enemy has given us that, well, you know, I'm just going to keep my sin here. It doesn't affect anybody. I'm going to keep my fear here. It's not going to affect anyone. But it does because we need everybody on task chasing after Jesus so that he can work in us and through us so to build his kingdom here in Tucson. What would it look like in your life and in mine if we lived out these verses in Romans? If we lived, if we were to give, give generously. If we were to teach, teach. If we were to give mercy, give mercy. What if, what, what if we all literally did this 100%? What would that look like? But I'm venturing to say that most of us believe that we can only do so much. Either out of selfishness, out of greed, out of pride. And we think that we have, we can only go there. Or we can only go there. And we've kind of figured out that that's, that's, that's all we can do. And we get blocked. Let's watch this second clip. If we always live how we always thought to live, we end up tripping over first base, diving back and staying there. Because we've conditioned ourselves that that's what we're supposed to do. guy running first base falls, is crawling back. Not just a small man. He's a big dude. Imagine laying down at first base because you fell. Imagine if you were that guy and you didn't get back up. And if you just laid there because you think that everyone's laughing at you. So you just put your face down on the, on the base. He almost missed out on the home run and how he hit it because he was so worried about his failure. I'm just going to be completely raw and straightforward. There are home runs that each of us are missing home runs in our personal life, home runs in our church and spiritual lives, home runs in our work life, home runs in our community and our neighborhood because we are afraid and we are afraid of failing and we have worked our little tunnel and that's all we can see is our failure. And so in that, everyone else is looking at us, at our failure and they're like, dude, you hit a home run. In your relationship, you're hitting a home run. But in our own self-talk and in us as, as we've been listening to lies, and I've done this. I've, I've listened to lies that, you know what, Brian, you're not a good pastor. You're not a good communicator. You can't lead church. Who do you think you are? The enemy wants us to look face down in the dirt. 
but there's home runs out there that we've hit, but we haven't capitalized on. How do we know that us being here in Midtown is a home run? How do we know Element City Church is a home run? Well, 16 years ago, God gave me a vision to go into Midtown. I grew up in Midtown to literally build a center for someone in the middle of Tucson that would reach the most basic needs of the community that needed a savior. Communities that were broken by poverty, addiction, and hopelessness. That vision hasn't changed. We're at Catalina in Midtown Tucson because there is poverty, addiction, and brokenness in us and in the community around us. But right now, us as a church are on third base. We're standing on third base waiting to run home. But you know what the problem with standing on third base is? Or to leave a runner on third base? It's a lost opportunity. When teams leave runners on base, it's a signal of lost opportunity to score a run. We are a great church. We're a healthy church. We've done a lot. We have a lot of great people here. We've served John B. Wright physically. We've provided backpacks. We've done stuff here at Catalina for teachers. And we've done physical work all over this place. The amount of gum that we took out of here, crazy. Every time that I put a gum in my mouth and I'm coming here, I put it in paper and put it back in. But Elements City Church, we cannot stay here. We cannot stay here on third base. We cannot just sit in the laurels and say, you know what, we've provided over 900 backpacks over the last two years and we've, we've cleaned up John B. Wright and we've, we've picked up a huge, ridiculous bag of, of gum off this ca campus. We've oiled things, we've done stuff. But when are we gonna move off third base and run towards home? to collect the home run that Jesus is favor and his, he's provided for us. We cannot bring the hope of Jesus into the heart of the city without everybody doing their part. And by being a part of the body of Christ. Let me read that again. We cannot bring the hope of Jesus into the heart of the city without everybody doing their part. We can do some things and we can bring God's kingdom, but imagine, imagine if all of us got on the same page, moved out and started doing stuff in our community all together, functioning in the gifts that God's given us. Can you imagine that? I've got pictures firing off in my brain right now. Maybe that's just me but I can see us not staying here, but seeing us eliminate some form of poverty, some form of hunger, and really meeting the needs of the people, not just keeping the grounds nice, but actually interfacing with people 
other creations that God has put on this earth. It's like a month ago I had a, a boot on because I tried to jump over a rattlesnake and I didn't land well and it was bad. It was very bad. You can laugh. It's fine. I'm, I'm okay. But while I had that boot on, guess what happened to my body? My right hip hurt. My left hip hurt because I was uneven. My feet hurt. My sugars were up because I'm diabetic and my sugars were up because of the pain in my ankle. And it was just, it was all out of whack. And we can, we can survive as a church if 20% of the people are, are, are giving and giving resources and volunteering. We can survive, but we're all out of whack. It's uneven, it's unfair. But if everyone decides to do what they are supposed to do, everything levels off and we move faster. And we see what God has in store for us as the body the church body that he's designed us to be. We all play a part. We have to live out our faith in our daily lives. We have to invite people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship. Let me say that again. I actually may have you say that with me. Actually, let's all say it together. <laughs> I'll say it once, and then you guys repeat, okay? Are we, are we clear? Because sometimes I give bad instructions. So I'm going to read the phrase and you guys echo it. How's that? Is that good? We have to invite people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. So now you're accountable to that because you said it, right? We have, a, we have to invite people into a life-changing, life-giving, life life-changing relationship with Jesus. That's what we're about here at Element City Church. Is, and you can't do that if you're not in your community. If you're not putting Jesus out there, if you're not pursuing Jesus with all your heart and mind, you're not reflecting life. So what does that mean? There's at least a dozen agencies that I know of that work in this area around Catalina or a little bit farther um, and some other things that we can do to help us be the reflection of Jesus and so that we can invite people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. One of them is Arizona Baptist Children's Services. Some of you um, know them as a foster care agency. They, um, they are just down here on the corner, um, right at Alvernon and uh, in Pima. They do foster care. They do, um, they do all kinds of stuff, uh, pregnancy counseling, all that kind of stuff. They are in constant need of volunteers constant need of volunteers our youth group went and uh, and I think the, the college guys went and packed 10,000 diapers in two hours so that, that those diapers could be dispersed to families in this area that needed resources Arizona Baptist Children's is one of them care ministry Josh isn't here is he no not that Josh other Josh thanks Josh um not the Josh I needed, though. I should have clarified that. No, you're welcome. We need, we need part of your body here, right? You're part of the body. Um, Care Ministries, they, do, um, they basically feed 
um, all kinds of um, areas in Tucson, that, in areas that need uh, food banks and food boxes and all that kind of stuff. They are in desperate need of people to unload trucks and do admin work and interface with people and give out those kinds of things. The youth on their own. Youth on their own is not a Christian organization, but we have, there's more homeless kids in John B. Wright and um, in Catalina than any other school in TUSD. And Youth on Their Own comes alongside them and literally gives them resources and training to help them live on their own because they have no other place to go from their friend's couch to the next friend's couch. You could go be a part of Youth on Their Own. This fall, we have an opportunity for you, all you smarty pants in the crowd. Um, We're starting a tutoring program here this fall. I believe it's going to be on Tuesday nights, and it's going to be hanging out with students in the library, getting to know them, playing games with them, and helping them with their, uh, their homework or whatever things that they need to help with. That's an, another opportunity. Getting together uh, early. Oh, my gosh, that word early just throws us for a loop, I know. Getting to work early, meeting with some coworkers to pray for them, to ask for what's going on in their life opportunities to serve them, not just guessing how their lives are, but taking opportunities to serve them and reflect Jesus to them. Maybe absorb a, maybe get a, a, cu- a, a cubicle plan and you know all these guys in their cubes and, you, and, you, and you're gonna pray for them or you're gonna serve them or one person that you know maybe needs a need and you can, you can serve it. Maybe even We've got some prayer walks coming up in August. We're gonna start walking through our neighborhood. We're gonna be walking around Catalina. But maybe you can take a group of people and start walking a street, getting to know someone around Catalina or getting to know someone in your neighborhood. I venture to say that in our neighborhoods, we probably know one to two people because we drive in our garage, we drive in, we get out, and then we try, I try to avoid my one neighbor. I literally do. That's not right. So what if, what if you left a little bit earlier and you drove around Catalina or picked a route that you're going to pick that same route into church every single week and you're going to pray for those houses along that route or you're going to pray for the people that you see sitting at the bus stop that have their bags and maybe no place to stay. How are you making a difference? When you leave tonight, we've put a, a piece of paper together um, that has more ideas. It's just a brainstorm. This isn't like a formula, like, you know, I check A to check B. God is talking to you right now. He always does. He never stops communicating to us. It's us shutting him down because of our schedules, because we don't want to hear what he has to say, or we're too comfortable sitting tunnel vision in the dirt and missing the home runs that are flying that he's already provided for us. So on that sheet, there's things that you can do uh, volunteer-wise with background checks and other organizations. There's just simple ideas that you can do for Catalina. One of them is some of you guys like are, are healthy and you like make healthy like granola things. And what is it like to adopt a, adopt a sports team here and provide snacks for them? and encourage them, show up for games. Or even just volunteering in the office or doing something on your free time. But there's a list, it's a front and back. 
And so you're gonna take that and I want you to pray through that and I want you to pick something on there or come up with something creative to do. We cannot bring the hope of Jesus to the city just by sitting in these chairs on Sunday night. We cannot affect our city by just sitting here Sunday night. I got no amens? That's forced. I'm serious. We should be excited that we get to put on show and on, on demonstration the power of Jesus Christ. And if I just offended you, I'm sorry. My, my job is not to offend. My job is to, we have the best story, the best story of all time even bigger than baseball. So my challenge to you is this. I'm gonna ask you this. So if you see me coming down the hallway, you see me out in the parking lot, I'm going to ask you this question. And you're probably gonna do, oh, don't avoid the pastor, avoid the pastor. This is the question I'm gonna ask you. What is Jesus asking you to do? Simple question. What is Jesus asking you to do right here, right now, or it's been in the past? He's always communicating to you something. What is Jesus asking you to do right now? And the second question that I'm gonna ask is what are you gonna do about it? He's asking you to do something, so what are you gonna do about it? Are we clear? Warning? And it should not just be me asking that question. Because you know what? I could probably get to 15 people in one setting. And that's pretty generous. But if you guys ask each other that question, say, hey, you know that talk that Brian offended us. There's some validity maybe there. Uh, so what is God asking you to do? Instead of talking about what the D-backs and the, the Dodgers are gonna do next week, or what soccer is going on, or what, what event is going on in Facebook, why don't we ask each other the question, what is Jesus asking you to do? Amen. What is he asking you to do? And then stand there, and what are you gonna do about it? Or how can I help you get it done? Because remember, we're all in this together little high school musical reference. But we're all in this together. This is the thing is, the ones that are committed to doing it, they're gonna do it. But if everybody joins in and helps in their giftedness, we can get way much more done. And not in the done like we're checking out box and we've got quantities and all that kind of stuff. We wanna see souls saved for Jesus. And when we do that, when you put Jesus out there and you, and you reflect him in your world, you are inviting people into a life-changing relationship that they have never seen before. But if we're shy, putting our face down, worried about what they're gonna think or what they're gonna say, you're disabling them and us as believers in Jesus. We're gonna take communion. So be thinking about that question. And then I'm gonna ask you another question. We take communion every week. We have the stations in the middle and in the back and we believe this time to be very precious. 
because it's a symbol of Jesus' sacrifice for us. He created all of us. And he came out of a perfect place to save us and gave of his body and his blood to cover us. So that's what we, that's what we celebrate in this. So I wanna ask you three, three things. There's three types of people in the future or dealing with future things and I need you to decide which one you are. Those who things that let things happen. Those who make things happen. And those who wonder what happened. I'll read those again. Those who let things happen. Those who make it happen. And those who wonder what happened. So as you go to communion tonight and we finish up worship, just pick one thing. One thing that God's got on your heart that you've either pushed down, not acted on, but maybe share that one thing with someone else and say, I don't know really what to do with this. But Jesus is always communicating with us because he's created us to receive that and to be a part of a larger body pushing his kingdom forward. Differently, Father, you are powerful. You are mighty. And Lord, I am humbled um, that I get to stand in front of these fine people. Lord, I hope the truth of who you are came out tonight. Lord, that we are all in this together. Lord, you've, we are your plan A. Lord, as we live our life, we, uh, we can confuse some people by saying one thing and acting something else. Lord, we've lost, we've lost, we've lost so many people because us as believers in you have become irrelevant. We act like we're better then because we know you. Lord, thank you for always communicating with us. And Lord, I just, I want, to see, I want to see a group of people, a church of Element City Church, stepping off third base, running like crazy people towards home plate, trusting in you that we'll be safe at home. Is it going to be easy? No. Lord, but we can't stay here. Lord, we can't just stay in these seats. We can't just stay in our comfort when there are souls around us dying because they don't know you. Lord, I pray for this whole area. I pray for the addiction. I pray for the poverty. I pray for uh, all the things that go on around Catalina. Lord, that your will and your glory will just, just come into this place. And Lord, that you will find us as vehicles for that. Lord, that you will push our hearts and our minds to be strong, bold, light bulbs of light, lasers for your love here in Midtown Tucson. Lord, I pray for protection of all the hearts and minds that are here because, Lord, we, we listen to lies. We listen to lies of worth. We listen to lies of you can't make a difference. 
They've already tried that. That doesn't work. But Lord, with you, all things are possible. All things are possible. Even the darkest of cities, even the craziest poor societies, even the heaviest addicted societies here in Tucson, in the areas and the neighborhoods, Lord, can be brought to your presence. And Lord, you're just asking us to do it. Lord, and I, I shudder and think, why us? And then you always respond, why not? Lord, build Element City Church in a way that glorifies you, that has free reign with your Holy Spirit and a boldness to do things unconventional, innovative, adapting. And Lord, because you've created us with great minds and great hearts. And Lord, just give us the courage to follow you and chase after you.